Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. On today's podcast, we are looking at some of the most common personal finance questions our listeners have as Ireland sees 58,000 people sign on for COVID-19 unemployment welfare. Because as we speak, there's tens of thousands of people that less than a month ago thought there would never be any threat to their job. And now too many of them don't have a job tonight. And it's because of that that all that can be done will be done to have this system in place. That was Minister for Finance Pascal Dunahoo speaking on RTE Primetime last night after announcing a three-month mortgage moratorium agreed with the Irish banks yesterday. Personal finance expert Paul Merriman from askpaul.ie is joining me today to run through those details and other vital information about how we can all keep financially secure in the coming weeks and months. Now this afternoon sadly saw Ireland's third COVID-19 related death confirmed by Dr Tony Hulahan and the Department of Health as well as Northern Ireland's first patient death. We also learned that 191 cases were confirmed in the Republic of Ireland today, bringing the total of cases on the island of Ireland to 634. As social distancing cooperation continues, Dr Houlihan reminded journalists that we won't see its effect until later on this week. It's only six days since we instituted the social distancing measures and the the cases that we've seen diagnosed today and in the last 24 hours are really cases for people... uh, where they would have been exposed and infected prior to the commencement of the social distancing measures. So we would not have expected within this kind of time frame to have seen any impact of the social distancing measures that we have uh, in place. I think as we move further towards and past the weekend, um, we'll be watching the figures to see uh, that the projections that we continue to make, are we we reaching those levels, are we reporting lower numbers, Uh, and certainly as we move towards the end of the month, like to pass the full incubation period, and reminding you that the full incubation period is 14 days after commencement, we get two, three weeks down the line, we'll start to, I think, see an impact uh, in terms of the social distancing measures. As of Tuesday night, from the 250 cases that have been analysed, 35% of them had spread from community transmission, meaning the patient had no known contact with another confirmed case or travelled from a country badly affected by the pandemic, i.e. it cannot be traced. In today's briefing, Dr. Hulan was clear to stress the message that COVID-19 is something that is now very easily picked up within Ireland itself. This is an infection that you can pick up in this country. This is an infection that you do not have to leave the country to pick up or to have contact with a confirmed case. You may pick this up in the community. So we want the public to understand that, to respond on the basis that they, uh, when they have 
in particular fever and or cough and some of the other common symptoms associated with this disease to suspect that it could be COVID-19, to make telephone contact with a GP and to be guided from there. And we know that message is getting through because of the amount of testing that's happening. We've seen a very significant increase in the volume of testing that's been done in recent days. We will be back on Monday morning with more updates from the Department of Health. But for now, here is our Q&A with financial expert Paul Merriman. So Paul, can you run through some of the biggest queries that you've been facing over the last number of days? Yeah, I kind of did. The big one, I suppose, the mortgages um, and the loans that people have, everyone's worried and trying to make sure they get a moratorium off the banks. Last week on social media, through the the kind of likes of Instagram, we got a lot of queries off people and I was trying to say, look, go to the bank now. Don't wait for the government announcement. It was obvious that the government were going to follow what happened in Italy and happened in China as Mm. well with the moratoriums, but now there's going to be a tsunami of people. I mean, there's 50,000 people out there signing on that were, were in full employment two weeks ago and have no job now. So I'm expecting the banks to get absolutely hammered now with calls and inquiries. What was disappointed about the government's announcement, sorry, it's great that they've done it, but they just, they probably should have had the process before they announced it, you know, they should have had the one pager that you log in somewhere and you complete it and the bank get back to you within 24 or 36 mm. hours or some type of system. So although it's great news, it's come in, there's no real process in place. So people still need to go to the bank, ring them, and try and find out what the moratorium is. I think the big thing to point out here is that they really are relying on people that can't pay their mortgages to continue paying their mortgages. So it's not a kind of free-for-all. So, you know, if you're both still working and you're both earning an income, don't bother going in and trying to get a free. Like It's not free money anyway. You have to pay this back at the end of the term on a mortgage. So I'd urge people listening to not, not, not do that. Like, you know, if you can afford it, pay it. The mortgage moratorium has been met with an overwhelmingly positive response from the public. But further details on how it will be streamlined are yet to be revealed. The big fear I have here is I know Irish banks have been in the industry over 18 years and uh, they're not the best at administrating stuff. Look what happened with the tracker scandal. Look, it's welcome news and it's great that they're doing it and it shows leadership and it shows the country is following what everybody else did. I thought it was a great idea. I presumed it was coming, but at the back of my mind, I said I'd kind of 10% nervous is that, God, when are they doing this? They better do it quickly. So look, great it came and... But no, there's no process as such. But I think it's up to every individual bank. So if you're listening today and you have lost your job, your partner's lost your job, get in contact with your bank, ask them what the crack is with the moratorium, how is it working their bank. Every bank is probably going to have a different process. But it is supposed to be streamlined and easy. So I presume it's just going to be a one-pager where you're declaring that you lost your income or something went down for you, you know? For anyone availing of the moratorium, do we know whether this might affect your long-term credit score or would that be wiped off as well? No, it should be wiped off. And that's something that Pascal done, who was uh, kind of very keen to let people know it won't affect your credit rating. But like I said, last month we had a bank that re- incorrectly reported on 20,000 people's ICBs and we've had the tracker scandal before as well. So look, I will say, I'm not trying to be anti-bank. I don't particularly trust banks, to be honest with you. Um, I think that probably came across the talk you heard me before. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to give them the benefit of doubt. This is going to be a disaster over the next six months. Uh, and things will be reported correctly and there will be mistakes but the main thing is that people are getting the moratorium so I think you have to look after the problem now and other problems will arise in the future I'm sure there's going to be stuff incorrectly done I'm sure people are going to find it difficult in six months time or six years time to be getting a mortgage or a loan and something was reported incorrectly under ICB so I think that's important to, to, to bear in mind you know I have two kind of questions here firstly are the traditional banks um, that we know of so AIB Bank of Ireland etc safe at the moment and also what is your opinion on the newer kind of banking technology that we've come across over the last kind of year or so there's been rampant rumors around whatsapp messages and online that revolut is about to crash 
let's let's take a step back. So first of all, first question: the Irish banks are absolutely fine, in my opinion. This is not a two thousand seven, two thousand eight crash. This is a virus that's going to halt the world economy. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with the world economy, and the banks are well capitalized. The government uh, has a good credit rating, as we heard Leo Fradker say the other evening. So all in all, things are fine from that point of view. So you can keep your money in the banks; it's absolutely fine. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a run the banks. I don't think there's an issue. I don't think there should be a run the banks. I think everyone needs to chill out. This will be all recoverable the next 12 months, in my opinion. This is not a recession like 2008. Mm. And this is completely different. It's a, 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 a virus that's going to stop everything, but everything can just start again. The majority of business will just start up again and motor on. There's going to be a few hangovers, but it's going to be there. Revolut, I tried to contact today for an, a, a, a comment. We couldn't get them. Uh, Revolut looked like they're sending out tweets saying that this is complete fake news. And affairs are Revolut. They've gone through the banking license with the Banking Federation in Europe. And that's a very tough process. And they've only got through that. So I think what's at the happen is Revolut are getting an influx of people trying to buy and share shares through their Revolut account. Mm. And it's caused some type of internal meltdown from a technology point of view. I don't think there's a run in Revolut. I don't think there's a problem. And I think it's one of these classic WhatsApp problems where one person gets swift that they couldn't move the money as quickly as normal and has set panic around the country, around the world, I think, as well, with Revolut and fairness. So I don't think they're going to fail. I don't think there's a problem with Revolut. I think it's just people just spreading fake news at the moment about them. For lower ticket repayments, things like credit card debt, if someone is after losing their job, what would you recommend in terms of first steps to either contact their bank or what's the best way to contact approach Contact the bank, yeah. So it seemed to what's happening. Uh, they did say that this stuff would relate to lending, I suppose, for personal loans. So it would make personal loans uh, be moratoriums as well. So you'd have a three-month moratorium in personal loans. That'd be the same for credit cards. Now, depending on your credit card company, again, they're all going to have a different set of criteria, but reach out to them ASAP and make sure that they look after you and make sure that they know that you've lost your job. I cannot see a credit card company in Ireland today saying no to a moratorium on your credit card repayments for three months or six months. Uh, three months, certainly, based on what the, the finance ministers come out and what all the banks are doing. I think it'd be pretty harsh. Now, I think that's going to be the case with Bank of Ireland AB, Permanent TSB, etc., the one to watch out for here, I'm just calling them out, but Advent Card, are, they're, they're the ones that on post use uh, mm. and Advent Card or previously MBNA. They're not affiliated to a bank, uh, you know, they're not an Irish company either, or European. So I presume they're not going to have a problem with applying the moratoriums like everybody else. You'd have to think that common sense would prevail, you know. If somebody's lost their job temporarily, it's a, it's a really unforeseen circumstance. It is. So I would like to think that they'll, they'll allow the moratorium. The property crash of 2007 is still clear in the minds of most people countrywide. Ireland saw 35,000 young and skilled workers emigrate, and unemployment rose to 14.5%. It's been a hell of a party. The last 10 years, a decade of decadence, with easy credit giving us a bling lifestyle. The trappings of the Celtic tiger, gift-wrapped by a bloated property market that pumped up our economy to bursting point. It was a bubble, you know, it was euphoric. Uh, the government were cheerleading it. The mantra from government this time around is that our economy will bounce back. And this is something Paul agrees wholeheartedly with. I think it'd be business as normal. I think anyone that was considering getting a mortgage now is the best time when you're sitting at home to uh, maybe you're working from home or you're trapped somewhere. Get your accounts in order, you know, go through a financial plan with somebody, download a personal budget template from askpaul.ie and fill it in and make sure your income is good. And this is if you're still working, obviously. If you're a first time buyer and you lost your job and you haven't bought a house yet, 
unfortunately you're probably going to wait six months now until you get your job back up and running and get your records back together that's quite obvious but you know if I was going out with someone or I was engaged and married even I was trying to get a house for the first time I'd still continue that process I'd still be dealing with the banks or dealing with the broker or whoever you're dealing with and going full steam ahead like this is not going to stop the world Like, and I think because it's a pandemic it sounds scary sorry it is scary don't get me wrong I think when it comes to houses this is not going to cause a crash like it did in house price in 2008 so I've heard some people I like to call them barstool advice, telling people that, you know, it's going to cause a crash and this is going to be great and you're going to get a house for 100 grand again. Not a hope, not going to happen. <laughs> we have a massive supply issue uh, and an over demand. So, COVID 19 is not going to even look at dinting the, the property market, in my opinion, especially for the kind of two bed houses, three bed houses, starter houses. If I was buying something for a million now, yeah, I'd probably hold off. I'd be a bit nervous, but, you know, not for the starter homes. There's too many young people around. Uh, too many good jobs, a really good economy, and it's thriving. I know there's a lot of people affected by COVID-19. I'm not underestimating it, but in my opinion, once it's sorted, the pubs, the restaurants be back open, the hotels be back open, the service industry be flying literally within a matter of weeks. Before we wrap up as well, do you know, is there any relief for any Irish SMEs that are trying to keep staff on their books and keep them paid over the next couple of months, but also trying to keep afloat themselves? Yeah, the major relief is you don't have to pay your tax. Uh, that's massive. <laughs> so you couldn't get a better relief than that. So when it comes to taxes, they're saying PAYE tax in your likes, your VAT as well. You have to make your declaration to revenue, but you don't have to pay it. And if you don't pay it, you don't have any penalties associated with that. And usually revenue hammer you with penalties um, and, and charges. But that's not going to be the case. So basically, you've got free reign. Not free reign, but you don't have to pay your tax uh, for a few months. That should help. That should be the biggest problem. Now, unless you're something like the restaurants, mm. you know, God love the restaurants, uh, you know, and the pubs. I mean, they've literally just seen, like, that, that their business is just folding in front of their eyes and it must be absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, we do a lot of work with the Restaurants Association of Ireland and, we know, a good few restaurant owners and, it, and it, it's heartbreaking. But, you know, other kind of smaller businesses, if you can keep your doors open and you're trading away, uh, use this kind of crisis, if you like, to take stock of where you may have been overspending, reining it in, making sure you have an emergency one. And this goes the same for personal people as well. You've heard me speak before. I always talk about every every couple or every house being an SME business. You have to look after the house or the mm. bank of you or the limited company that is you and your, your partner and your family. And this is the time now to take stock and say, okay, we weren't in that good of shape. We've spent so much money. God, I wish we hadn't bought that car from PCP. And <laughs> wish we hadn't done all the mad things we did in the last few years and learn from it. And it's probably the same for loads of small businesses. So realize how important cash flow is in your business um, and make the cuts. But uh, yeah, look, the biggest expense, I think rent is going to be reduced as well. I think rent and landlords are going to have a cut deal with revenue and revenue are going to give them tax breaks um, in relation to if they help out a local business and they give a rent freeze for three months and they can reduce that from their tax liabilities next year for 2020, which is which would be massive if revenue can pull that off or pass it on who can negotiate that. So there should be a lot of reliefs on the way to roll into town to help everybody. Uh, and I'd be confident in the government in doing this. I really am. And finally then, is there any kind of safe bets in relation to investments that we could look at over the coming weeks? I know nothing's completely safe, but is there anything that you might recommend? I'll tell you one thing. This is very easy for me, and I'm not trying to be too uh, <laughs> cocky when I say this. Stock markets go up and down in value. We've seen this in 2008 when the financial crisis happened. And the best time to get involved with stocks and shares is now, in my opinion. They're down 20, 30 percent. Uh, again, you've heard me speak. Loads of people listen. Might have heard me on social media talk about the Zurich Balance Fund all the time. Uh, I'm a big believer of one of the new, another fund in Zurich now, which is the dynamic fund that has up to 90 percent invested in stocks and shares. 
it's down 30%, I think, year on year. That fund's going to have an absolute stormer of a year in 2021, 2022. Now, it'll probably fall more this year. But, you know, if you had 10, 20, 30, 100, 400, I've had literally five clients on to me today, literally ranging from 2,000 right away up to 580 grand. And they're finding out the best way to get into the markets. You can try and do this yourself by being clever and downloading a Giro account. But I'll give you an example. And this is really important. Everybody's contacting me and saying to me, what about Ryanair? Um, and this is a classic example of what happened in 2008. What about Bank of Ireland? They had been or fallen. Mm. They're too big to fail. They failed. Now, I'm not trying to say Ryanair will fail. But Ryanair share price is actually not as bad as it was in between 2008 and March 2009. It fell by more than what it has over the last three months. And nobody knew about it. Or nobody knew it was a good time to get into Ryanair. Yeah. So it's only because like Ireland makes up less than 1%. Air Stock Exchange makes up less than 1% of the World Stock Exchange. Ryanair is just a blip in global fund managers. So, you know... I'll, don't try and do it yourself. If you're going to go onto the gyro and try and download the gyro and try to put three or four grand into stocks and shares, you're not going to get in in time. You're not going to get out in time. There's a tax liability made to revenue as well if you do it directly, which not many people are going to know how to do. And it's a disaster. If you're looking for a good fund, there's loads of good funds out there, by the way. Irish Life, Aviva, Friends First, Standard Life, all of them have really good funds. I just particularly like Zurich. I think their literature is very simple to understand. And the Zurich Dynamic Fund I think is going to have an horrendous 2020 and it's going to have an absolute stormer in 2021, 2022. And it's a great place to pick up really good returns over the next two to three years. And where can we hear more of your advice over the next couple of weeks, Paul? Uh, askpaul.ie, the website is going to have a few things. I suppose I'm more active on Instagram these days, keeping people up to date. So yeah, for, for the way, get into Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, I'm on sort of Facebook and Twitter and uh, also on the Ask Paul website. But uh, any questions or if you want to get an appointment or consultation, askpaul.ie is where you do that. That was episode 7 of Viral COVID-19. I would like to say a big thanks to Paul Merriman for joining us today. If you did enjoy the podcast or you felt you learned something new today, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to us because it does help to get the word out there. I am Ian Doyle. I will talk to you on Monday. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,